We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Seahawks Man to Man podcast, powered by The Athletic. Shout out to the company. My name is Michael Sean Dugar. I'm here with my co-host, Christopher Kidd. Make sure you follow us both up on the tweet machine. You guys know where to follow me. I'm verified, you know, M-I-K-E-D-U-G-A-R. Look for the blue check. Uh, Chris, talk to him. What is up, everybody? It's your boy, Christopher Kidd. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at C-K-I-D-D-206, and that's C-Kidd-206. All right, as the Seahawks prepare to play the Washington football team. See what I did there, Chris? I Come on now. Got the, got the name right. Come on. Uh, we have a special guest with us uh, on the podcast. First time uh, guest. Really excited about this one. We have the homie who covers Washington for the Athletic out there in D.C., Rhiannon Walker. Re, what's going on? Not much. I'm just starting to be curious. Like, should I mention the fact I got a blue check too now, Mike? Because I mean, I'm starting to feel like I should flex that since we flexing that out here in these streets. Yes, got, no, like, we, we definitely do. That's like a it's like a recurring thing on the show. Is I note that I have a blue check, and we're trying to get Chris one. Reed, that's what the thing is. I know you have one, and which our thing is to try to get my guy Chris a blue check. Well, look, I've heard the park. I just always thought that was so funny. I was like, man, it's like if I if I ever go on there, it's like I really hope I don't have to do all that. Like. People go look me up, they'll see it, but man, shoot, look at you flexing, man, it's crazy. Well, I, I mostly, I just laugh at how many people really care about, like, the blue check. Like, there's like a, you've, you've seen it, people refer to it as, like, blue check Twitter. Like, this, like we're some secret society of people just because we have a blue check next to our name. Like, look, the only thing that, honestly, the best part about having a blue check is that quality filter. So, like, I don't see half the madness going on in my mentions oftentimes. Like, honestly, that is the biggest flex of the whole thing. People think it's so great, man. But it's funny. You're right. Yeah, it's not really much. My, my, my only use for it sometimes is getting celebrities to respond to me because, you know, they can, they filter theirs to other verified people. So I use that every once in a while. That is kind of cool. But we'll get you there, Chris. Don't worry about it. Subtle flex. Yeah. I understand. We will we, we will get you there. And uh, I, I mentioned that I called it the Washington football team because Chris always tries to get me when they before the name changed. Like, Mike, come on. Say, you know, just say Washington football team. It's like, okay, I'm working on it, working on it. Well, now I have to because that's the name of the team. And I want to jump into that, you know, the big name change uh, this offseason. You know, just, just covering that kind of what, what's been the reaction locally um, since whenever. I can't remember when it was exactly, but I know it was this offseason. Since then to now, like what's this been the local reaction to dumping, you know, the name? I mean, since late June, since, uh, let's face it, early July, people have had to get really used to it. I mean, at the end of the day, FedEx, which is owned by one of the three my current minority owners, I say current because he's one of the people that's trying to sell his stake in the team right now, um, possibly pulling their money. Pepsi was another organization that you know is one of the main sponsors for the NFL, possibly pulling their money. And Nike had pulled off of uh, pulled off their websites, Washington's jerseys, which you know is the jersey maker for the NFL. That's a lot of money for the league. And if you know there's one thing that will get the league's attention, it's money. So it wasn't because it was out of the goodness of their heart. And I personally don't have an issue calling it what it is. Native American groups have been calling for them to change the name for years, decades, for a very long time, generations at this point in time. The only reason that they changed the name because they finally put financial money and pressure on the team. And then it was, ah, well, you know, they've been having these conversations with the league and, like, they support this. Yeah, 
whatever you guys do support your bottom line we're gonna be honest with ourselves about that so that was what that was now as it relates to fans there are fans who are not happy about it there are fans who don't want to support the team because they've changed the team's name sucks for them i suppose because <laughs> the team is now in a position to go to the playoffs so I, I certainly don't i hope they don't jump back on the bandwagon if they should you know ultimately win in the nfc east um if you read any of my stories i have not called the team the previous name ever since I came on board and that was my personal decision. The company supported it. And that was a big sticking point for some people. I don't know what that has to do with the quality of the work we were doing there, but you know, it was a big sticking point. And now guess what, Mike, I'm not a petty person. However, I, I do remember those people that were in my comments all the time saying is this name is this name. Well, guess what? Now it's the Washington football the name. I've been calling them. Call me Nostradamus. Cause call this thing. You know, I guess. <laughs> Reed, you know what you should do is you should just pull out all the screenshots of people who's like, yo, I'm not going to watch this team. They just lost me as a fan. And then when if they win the division, just like pull them all back up. Like, oh, y'all, so y'all still not watching? Because you know they're going to jump back in. The crazy thing is, like I said, I'm not I'm not petty, but I do have a long memory. Just like I remember, <laughs> and like this is not a thing to be petty about because I predict this team could win seven games. And honest to God, like the way that they played the Giants and they played the Detroit Lions, they could have had seven wins by now. I literally went on a radio show yesterday like, hey, y'all, have to like me now. I said this was a team that could win seven games. I kept seeing three, five, and I'm like, look, the schedule isn't as tough as people think it is. And if the team plays well the way it's supposed to, they could win some games here. But as it relates to the team name change, well, the Washington football team has double as many wins as the Washington formerly named. So I think a lot of people are fairly happy with it. There are a lot of people who are just like, hey, look, in the midst of us having these conversations about how minority groups, black people are treated in this country, it's time we really start listening to some of these people. And, of course, like, hey, money talks. Um, they really addressed it and said, look, if there are people who are bothered by it, and this is something that you know has been a real sticking point, then maybe you should acknowledge that and maybe you should consider possibly changing so it's not offending the group that supposedly is being uh, honored by this situation and a lot of times they would point to this washington post article where they i think it was 500 or not 500 it was like there was a, like a very it was like 0.7 percent of the native american population in the united states of america basically said we're not bothered by it i'm like but 0.97 means that there was another 99.3 percent that wasn't interviewed for this conversation mm -hmm. so therefore I don't know how you can say that, oh, this isn't really as big of an issue as it possibly is when, again, you haven't talked to the wide majority of the people there. So the team name has changed. Uh, from what I understand, they're not going to get close to anything that is even remotely Native American related. Um, they're going to move forward from their new team president, Jason Wright, has said that this is not going to be a process that they rush. You could possibly see something next year. Um, keep in mind, Nike does have to come up with different uniforms for the team whenever they do decide that they're going to come up with something so i mean it's just it's smart you get some fan engagement in this you get some community engagement alumni engagement in this conversation um they're making in my opinion they're making the smart play here so there you have it you know i'm, I'm glad you caught out that it was basically a money grab because that does get you know people to just move when you start you know tapping their pockets and it just it highlights the you know how insincere the whole you know situation was now as they move forward and try to figure out a new name and basically kind of rebrand themselves it's like hey we we, we not racist like chill out uh, how do you think they should go about you know doing that i think one they should and you can ask fans like fans have really been interested in like the various names that have come up the red tails the red wolves and everything else along those lines i'm not sure what other potentially popular names are coming out that like have some ties to the dc area um some of them the red tails in particular is related to the tuskegee airmen so i think it'd be ironic and kind of cool if you go from the previous team name to one that actually honors uh you know, this, uh, this other minority group in the country as well. So I think that'd be kind of cool, especially because they've talked about, like, military, um, excuse me, what's the word I want, um, somehow, some way honoring the military. And I still I still try to figure out why that has to be necessary, but, like, if that's something that they want to do, the Red Tails and the Red Wolves both have some ties to the military. So it's like, okay, fair enough. If that's the direction that you guys really want to go in, and that's important, that's something that could be fun. But fans have been not necessarily in season, but, like, definitely during the off season, it was a huge point conversation if you just like monitor dc talk and everything else like that or fans and stuff like that it's just it's a big point and then the off season depending on what they do you know obviously fans are happy with the fact they've doubled the wins from last year but if you know there's nothing else to talk about that'll be something that people are focusing on outside of the other moves that they're going to make with the team itself i'm just curious do you have a team name that you think they should go with or not at all nope i am not that i i shouldn't say i'm not that invested but i just whatever the team name they pick is. The only investment I have is in getting the name. That is the only investment I have in this whole process. I'm competitive, and that's about it. So hey, hey, otherwise, that. they can do whatever they want to do. 
Get that story. You better have that scoop. I hope you have that scoop first. That'd be that'd be super tight. Hopefully, I like Red Tails, Chris. What do you? I had, and I don't know if either of you saw this TV show on NBC called Grim. No, I never. No, I can't say I have. Well, that's the name that came to my mind. The Grim? Washi- the Washington Grims. Like the Grim Reaper? Exactly. Oh, that's kind of what? That's kind of dark. <laughs> hey, we're a dark. dark. To be very frank with you, Chris, and I have to say, this is my first impression of you. I am. Um, <laughs> Questions. I really have some questions right now. <laughs> yeah, but, I didn't, I didn't know got, at the got Chase Young out there causing mayhem in the backfield. I don't know. Maybe two lights can have such a dark <laughs> mind right now. Let's let's let's, wow. let's, let's yikes, Michael. Uh, Jesus. I had to, I had to, I had to, and slander not gonna work here, but you, you act like you're like fifty shades of much darker, to be honest with you. You're like basically maybe a light chocolate if we're being real honest here, Mike. That's I mean thank you. Okay. Mike's trying to come for me and you had to let it set him straight. I appreciate uh, okay. it. Okay, here we Sir, go. if I get any tanner, I might be just about the same complexion as you. Stop playing over there. <laughs> this is the lightest we done had this podcast, I think. I Ooh, up in the great northwest, like y'all get any kind of sunlight. I know you're not talking. Funny, <laughs> yeah, let's 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 get into uh, the the on field aspect uh, of this team. You know, Alex Smith playing is the biggest storyline. One of the biggest storylines in the league is probably a lock for like comeback player of the year um, and all that stuff. When you when you first saw him come back out there, uh, you know, in relief duty, what was going through your mind earlier this year? holding my breath, making sure that uh, he doesn't get hurt. I mean, you know, Mike, I would say this. We're journalists, right? And we are unbiased and impartial to the entire thing, but we do work with these guys, and we get to know, get to know their families. We get to know their stories and everything else like that. Um, I've covered Alex since 2018, the year he was brought into and traded from the Kansas City Chiefs. He's a good guy. He's cool. Um, he doesn't always want to talk to the local media, but that's all right, though. But I don't think anything of bad of him as a person. And so you sit there and you see what he's come back from. And it's uh, it's tough because being impartial, you just say, like, hey, if this is what you want to do, okay. As long as there's no risk of you getting hurt further, you know, all right, who am I to stop you? And also understanding, I think, that we can all agree. What people in professional sports, like their tolerance for pain and their desire to be competitive is it's entirely on another level than the regular human being, which is why people don't get it when they're like, well, why would he want to come back? Because you don't, that's not an environment that you're even remotely familiar with. I don't think most people would know what to do in that set of circumstances, right? They would get one big tick, one big tackle and they'd be out of the game forever, but they understand when they play this game, there's that risk. So you see that. And again, like you want a guy to get what he wants. He wanted to come back. He did. He made the active roster. He campaigned for himself to do so with Ron Rivera. They put him on the active roster and so then you see Kyle Allen get, you know, popped by Jalen Ramsey, and he's out. Um, and you realize Dwayne Haskins is not suited up, and you're like, oh, shit. Alex is really about to go play in the game <laughs> against Aaron Donald. And he had not taken a tackle since he was injured in 2018. You know and I know that the quarterbacks don't get hit in practice. So all offseason in this abbreviated, truncated offseason, he hasn't had any hits. There is no preseason. So you're just like, okay. Let's see how this goes. And it's raining outside, too. So that's just another thing you throw into the mix. And then Aaron Donald jumps on this man's back. And I kid you not, everybody in the press box was holding their breath. Like, holy shit. Please don't get hurt. Please, please, please don't get hurt. I have seen Alex Smith have a compound fracture. Um, I've seen Kyle, I've seen Kyle Allen have his dislocated ankle. Um, I'm trying to think. I've seen Joe Burrow tear his ACL on this, on this field. Like, I've seen a lot of quarterbacks and people get really hurt playing football for the Washington football team or against the Washington football team um and you just don't want to see that again with Alex essentially um and so he gets through the game after being sacked times I believe so it's just one of those things where you're like okay maybe he is uh not as fragile as we may have it in our mind after this injury and maybe he can't handle this and everything else like that do I still sometimes hold my breath when I see him get out of the pocket yes yes I do because again as a human being just I don't have like look these injuries make me I'll be honest with you there's nothing about them that's normal I get used to it I don't um I remember Adrian Peterson showed me his uh shoulder after he dislocated it and I was sick like I see the blood I see the bone I'm just like why is this on your phone (laughs) let's start there (laughs) um but he's done it and I mean this team I think what they're four and one since he's started I believe that's the the case he's four and one so I'm really happy for Alex more than I am anything else right now. And you see the reaction of his wife and as supportive as she's been, and you know, she's, you know, been one of the main people saying like, this is what he wants to do. This is what he wants to do. But then you see the video 
And that's the reality is that as much as she wants him to do it, she's also really scared for him being out there as well, too. And I think that that's a normal, understandable reaction that um, those two things can coexist. I feel like sometimes people feel like you can't have the wanting somebody to have what they want to have, but also like being, you know, terribly afraid of something bad because you've seen it already happen to them. Those two things can overlap with one another and that's really what that game was like covering him against the Los Angeles Rams just like man I hope he makes it through the game um and everything else like that and you see him take the hits and everything else like that and he comes out of it unscathed and you're like alrighty then and of course you hear Donald later on being like that leg is strong as hell like <laughs> man that that was what that was my friend yeah so I was actually really high on the trade for Alex you know by, by Washington because I remember his 2017 season I was like he's he actually really good I think it was like 26 touchdowns five picks ran for like 300 yards something like that like he was decent under under Andy Reid and I think pretty sure they were uh first place in the division maybe when he when he got his leg broke so I was like okay he can do this and then so when I saw he was healthy again this year at least you know could walk that's a start I was like, okay, they should just play him. Play him over Haskins. I think Haskins is very good. I knew Kyle Allen wasn't good. I saw him last year. I was like, this dude's trash. Um, so um, with with Alex Smith suited up as the only backup for the game he ended up coming in, and the Rams, I remember tweeting out, like, okay, so if he was healthy enough to do this, why wasn't he the guy from the jump if he's so much more talented? Like, what was Ron Rivera's kind of reasoning for why a healthy Alex Smith was ever the backup behind guys like Kyle Allen and Dwayne Haskins? There was a lot of I mean, you saw it in the game against the Rams, and I mean, even still, like you saw when he did have his first start, there was still some stuff that he had to work through. He's even said, like, the more that he has played, and again, like, he hadn't been tackled in almost two years. Like, he got tackled in that October game, but if he had not played until November, he wouldn't have been tackled in two years. You really don't know exactly how the body is going to respond. And so, part of it was that, you know, knocking off a lot of that rusty. Other part of it that, you know, we were sitting there dealing with is the fact that the team did invest a first-round pick into Dwayne Haskins, and they didn't have the offseason that they wanted to have. Ron Rivera certainly did not have the coach, or excuse me, the quarterback that he really, really wanted. I think people understood how much he actually, in fact, wanted that quarterback uh, competition to really see like what Dwayne Haskins versus the other quarterbacks was made of. And that's also part of it, is that had there been a true offseason where you have the rookie minicamp, you have the regular minicamp, you have the organized training activities, mandatory veterans minicamp, all the stuff like that, and then you have training camp preseason, well then, yeah, you would have seen that stuff else. I think it would have been a very different story if all three quarterbacks had had their shot the entire offseason to work back from this stuff. You know what I'm saying? But with the limited reps that they had, you can only allocate so many first-team reps, and so they did what they did. They gave them all to Dwayne, thinking, okay, well... We'll see what he he had a very strong finish last season. Um, you keep in mind he had the, I think it was like a 121 quarterback rating in one game. He had like a 100 and something else in another rating. I can't remember off the top of my head the exact numbers, but um, long story short is like he had a very hot into his rookie season, and so they wanted to give him an opportunity to do so. But then it, it was so strange. Like he did all the things that he needed to do in the off season. You see him working out with the other. You see him flying out with the other guys. You see him putting in these extra hours, and it just and it just didn't seem to translate as the season was going on. Um, you know that last straw was that Baltimore Ravens game, and yes, he did have over 300 yards passing, but he wasn't somebody that helped impact the game the way that you wanted him to. They lost by two touchdowns in that game, so they made the change. You move over to Kyle Allen, partially because again, like he's more mobile, he is younger. Give him the right offensive line give I mean he won I think it was was either five and one or he won his first five games or something like the first five starts of his career something like that going back to 2018 in New Orleans um you give him a shot and when he got injured you still don't feel like Dwayne Haskins has matured the way that you want to see him mature you question maybe like you know has he learned some of the stuff that you need him to learn you also just say to yourself hey look he had one year that he started at Ohio State and for me personally I've always said I that quarterback should be a little bit more time to adjust in NFL. That's just my personal impression of these situations. Some guys come out and they're exceptional talents and they just do well. But we saw what happened with Patrick Mahomes. He sat a season behind. He gets trapped in the first round. He sits behind Alex Smith. And then you see how well he performs since he's took over as the um, definitive starter in Kansas City. He learned what he needed to learn in order to do that. I frankly was confused when the Miami Dolphins decided that they're going to go from Ryan Fitzpatrick to Tua. I'm like, what rush? Y'all are, you know, y'all are winning games. Y'all are doing well. You're putting up points. Like, I don't see the point of rushing the situation. I don't know the whole machinations of the situation. But that was it. It's just give him a chance to sit down and to see if there's things he could learn from watching and how he adjusts to the situation. 
and go from there. And I just posted a video last week of practice. One of the things that I had asked Monavera about was how has, you know, you see Dwayne Haskins running over to pick up Alex Smith in that game against the Cowboys. And there was all this conversation about like him wanting to go and everything else. I got his attitude things. But I thought, okay, that signifies like he's engaged. He's engaged with the team and everything else like that. And Ron says, behind the scenes things that y'all don't get a chance to see, like he is active in the meetings. He's practicing really well. He sees what Alex Smith is doing and he's copying those behaviors. So I got a video of him, even Montez actually mimicking exactly what Alex Smith is doing. And you see it. And then you see him come out in this game against the uh, San Francisco 49ers. And it, you don't see that hits like they ran the ball a little bit. Well, looking sharp on his passes and everything else like that. Um, I think it's really just a case where he just needed more time to develop. And honestly, he needs more time playing against competition at the NFL level because one year in Ohio State um, where you have all the time in the world to sit back and throw um, is unrealistic in the NFL. We all know that. So I think if there had been – the short answer is I think if Alex Smith and the quarterback room had had a true offseason – where everybody got the chance to compete and show off what they can do and things of that nature. He may have essentially been the starting quarterback for the team from the very get-go. But you didn't have that. He hadn't been tackled in two years. He was a little bit rusty, And it took some injuries and some poor play at the quarterback to get to where we are now. But We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed where they are as a team that is four and one the last five games. And now they haven't, they are in the driver's seat in the NFC East and they have the potential to possibly go into the playoffs. If they just went out at this point, you briefly touched on Dwayne Haskins. I want to know what do you foresee the future for him? Is this going to be it? I mean, I understand he has two more years on his rookie deal and the fifth year option. If the team even wants to exercise it, but with the way Alex Smith is playing and, what to look for in the draft next season, do you see fit that Dwayne Haskins will be a part of this Washington football team moving forward? I think that it's going to depend on a few things. It's I've always said that I think that there's a little bit more time here for Dwayne Haskins, and part of my reason for thinking that before Ron um, gave the example of how he's been doing better the last month or so was Ken Zanzi, who's Washington's quarterback coach, and he really emphatically said, I think that everyone needs to take a breather and not make a rush to judgment about this quarterback. Like, give him a chance to show people who he really is. Like, quarterback development isn't a linear thing. It's just like anything. It can go a lot of different directions. And so for me, I've always said, I think there's a chance that he can stay in D.C. The other thing is, is that Alex Smith just saw, I think it was the San Francisco media, that he and his wife are going to have a conversation. He feels like he owes her that and seeing where her head is at, how she feels about him possibly playing next season, if he wants to play next season. Now, if he's not playing next year, you have Dwayne Haskins as the only quarterback that's signed through next year. Kyle Allen's contract is up at the end of this season. Now, I imagine they probably bring him back, but that's just to say that the only quarterback they have signed on the roster right now is Dwayne Haskins. So he very much has a chance potentially next season if Alex Smith decides he does not want to return to take over that job again. And now he has seen... This is what it takes to be a starting quarterback and a good starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I just, I, I, I don't get the pitchforks thing. Like, that's just me. Maybe I'm a more patient person. I might also be a little bit more of an optimistic person as well, too. Um, but 
I think that there is a chance that he stays in D.C. unless there's some other personality issue or, like, he's saying, like, he doesn't want to be there anymore. Basically the same thing with Quentin Dunbar. I mean, Ron Rivera will get rid of somebody if they don't want to be here. You don't want to play for him? All right, fine. Go somewhere else. But it doesn't seem to me that that's the case. Really, when you watch the press conference with Dwayne Haskins after the game, you see somebody who really does care about performing well, and maybe he didn't. He had some missteps, and he really didn't understand it all the way at that point in time. However, he's trying to do the right things right now to get himself in a position to re-earn the faith of the coaching staff and do those right things at this. So I I think he stays. And, I mean, I like I said, I could be wrong. I don't know everything, but it just seems to me that he's really dug into doing better here and, like, doing the little things right. I mean, you even see him on the sideline. I asked him about Chase Young, and he's like, look, I was the first person off the sideline over and talk to chase even the advice he gave chase is like you know what are you going to do to get the respect of the guys in this locker room or you know the things that you did in college they're not going to work here that sounds like somebody who understands that the things that he was doing last year they weren't going to be good enough at this professional level and he has to do a little bit better than what he was doing so that's why i think in my mind that he probably does get another year to show people in dc what he is capable of the 2019 NFL Draft was just full of just studs um, on at the receiver position. That's where the Seahawks got DK. That's where the Titans got AJ. That's where Washington got Terry. Um, that's where the Niners got Debo. Uh, obviously, you got a big matchup with uh, with Terry versus uh, Shaquille Griffin, Seattle's number one corner uh, this Sunday. Just in general, where do you think Terry stacks up uh, against some of the other guys that were drafted, you know, uh, in his receiver class? I think I mean, DK Metcalf might be the only one in that that group that I say like he's clearly head and shoulders above him I mean the other ones haven't had I would say the same level of production their teams don't rely on them the same way that the Seahawks rely on DK Metcalf and Washington on Terry McLaurin I think I can't remember right now but he's top 10 in yards and everything else like that he doesn't have the touchdowns he had nine last season if I remember correctly off the top of my head um he he just he continues to get better he just puts his head down he works he grinds. He has been voted unanimously by the rest of the team as a team captain because of his ability to just go out and practice field, just go out in games and ball out. And if he's not doing something in the receiving game, his blocking, when you get down to the nitty-gritty of like what you look for in football, you see him blocking for a guy like Antonio Gibson that springs him for any one of his touchdowns where he goes untouched. And that matters to him just as much as if he was to go and score a touchdown or he was to go and get a big play. Um He's just one of those guys that he impacts the game on offense so much by just hustling, working hard. And I'm sure you guys also the play in Dallas where he runs down Jalen Smith. Um, he gets, I mean, shoot, he even gets bumped in that play. <laughs> and he does not allow that to deter him from stopping the, um, stop making the tackle in that play. And what happens? The defense comes up with a huge defensive stand and keeps Dallas out of the end zone. But if he doesn't run the way that he does, and if he's deterred by the fact that he gets bumped by Leighton Vander Esch, then Dallas scores a touchdown and the game is tied in that situation. Instead, Washington continued to maintain its lead in that game, and that was the last few points that Dallas scored in that game. And I'm sure you guys all know he talked about how, you know, he texted DK after his tackle on Buda Baker when it looked like he was going to score that touchdown. I don't know if DK reciprocated that energy, but um, that's what Terry McLaurin does. And so maybe he may not have as many yards as some guys. Maybe he may not have as many touchdowns as some guys. Um, this season he has quite a few yards, not as many touchdowns. But it's the other intangibles, like I said, that effort to make sure that somebody doesn't get into the end zone. When he could have said, I mean, I was bumped by the linebacker. Like, I couldn't, like, you know, pick it up and, like, get back up to full speed. He doesn't make excuses. He just goes out and he does better. That's really who Terry McLaurin is. And that's why I seriously think that if you were to put him on any other person's team, with a you know with a with a team that has a great offensive line, a great quarterback type situation, he ball out. I mean, I think his numbers would be crazier. He's played with, I can't remember off the top of my head how many different quarterbacks he's played with. Let me think. He's like done Dwayne Haskins, Colt McCoy, uh, Case Keenum last year. And then he also has uh, what's his name, Alex Smith, Dwayne Haskins this year, Kyle Allen. So I just named five different quarterbacks he's played with in his very short two year career. Yikes. And the numbers he's put up, I think that that's absolutely insane. Imagine if he had one guy with one really good offensive line, um, and he was just allowed to like just go out and do his job. He didn't worry about all the other things going on back there. Yeah. I think his numbers be crazy. Sticking with wide receivers, can you talk about the other receivers that are also on this team? You look at Isaiah Wright, Cam, Cam Sims. Production-wise, 
are you worried that other teams are going to take advantage and try to just shut down Terry? And then after that, it's kind of like, well, who else did the Washington football team have as receivers? Or is this, you know, defenses are coming out trying to slow down the run game. That's not working. So, you know what? We don't really need to throw the ball all across the field. Uh, I'll give you an example. The Steelers game. Uh, if you guys got a chance to watch that one. They took away Terry in that game. And what happened? Cam Sims went off. I think he had 94 yards uh, receiving that day. Isaiah Wright had some good yardage. He picked up as well, too. Uh, I think Steven Sims had some catches in that game. Logan Thomas was pivotal. Logan Thomas, I think he overhead 100 yards in that game, if I remember correctly. And I could be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But he had some huge catches as well, too, that set up some big plays for them. You can take Terry away from, <laughs> from Washington, but there are other players you have to worry about. One of the things I pointed out with Logan Thomas is that he has five touchdowns right now. He is the second best contract for a player that has as many touchdowns as him or as more. I mean, you have guys like Travis Kelty, Mark, Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews, and guys like that that have more production, but they're earning more money as well, too. But the only team that is getting a better value for their tight end with the same level of production is Tennessee Titans. That's it. Mm. Everybody else is paying a lot more money. Austin Hooper does not have as many touchdowns as uh, Logan Thomas does right now. And you know the contract that he's on currently. Eric Ebon, um, he may – does he have as many? Eric Ebon and him might be equal in the amount of touchdowns they have at this point in time right now. Or Logan may have four. But the point I'm making is that the bang for their buck that they're getting right now with Logan Thomas. Not only that, but then you also keep in mind, he's a gadget guy. He used to play quarterback. You saw what he did when they were in Dallas, and he throws the ball to Terry McLaurin for a huge big play. Um, or he lines up on a and he gets those one or two yards that you need on a sneak. So, I mean, what the value that he has to this team and the ability, the flexibility that they get with him, when he's targeted, oftentimes he is catching the ball. If you go and look at his targets, I think against the Steelers, he had nine targets, he had nine catches. The band does not miss. If the ball hits his hands, he's probably going to catch the ball. Mm. Um, Cam Sims... Again, another guy that has grinded. He's been on this team, practice squad, or just on the team since I think it was 2017 or 2018. For three seasons, he's just been working. But now he's had, in the last three or four games, he's had one game of 100 yards, another one of 94 yards. Um, and if he doesn't have like those big play, like those big yardage games, he has big plays in the, that helps set up other stuff. So, again, you can you can take away Terry McBorn. That is fine. However... There are sneaky guys. At this point, they shouldn't be so sneaky. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> what, we're, we're 13 games into the season. They shouldn't be so sneaky at this point. You can see their stats and what they do. So, yeah. I mean, there are other guys on the team who have shown the ability to get open and make the big plays. And I, especially, I keep talking about Cam Sims, but the guy, like, he breaks tackles. He gets the yards that you need. He, he Oftentimes, he gets the ball. He gets, like, 30 yards of play. It's actually kind of crazy looking at, like, all the stuff that he does. Um, and when they had Antonio Gibson, I mean, they could run it with him. Shoot, J.D. McKissick, uh, Michael, you should be pretty familiar with him. J.D. McKissick, a guy they said couldn't run between the tackles. Most of his yards this season, this career year he's having, are in between the tackles. He just rips off yards. Peyton Barmer, who was the former feature back in Tampa Bay for four seasons, he's getting his uh, name called, and he's doing good things as well, too. So, I mean, look, at this point, like I said, you could take Terry away, but it's not – you better hope that you have the other guys covered, too. That's all I'm going to say about that. I respect that. You mentioned Logan Thomas, and I read one of your, your recent stories not too long ago about is he overlooked, and you talked about how you talked about you know how much money he's making compared to some of these other athletes in the NFL at the tight end position. He's right there with them, and he's killing it right now. And I wanted to hear your thoughts because the Seahawks defense, they, they've struggled with against tight ends, and the way Logan Thomas is playing, he's set up to have a pretty good game and get some targets coming into this game. How do you see him going up against this Seahawks defense that shut out the Jets? Of course, the Jets are not good at all by any means, but of course they're confident that they can go out there and compete and try to slow down this Washington football team that's won four straight. You know what? I look at the performance. I think it was Evan uh, Ingram for the Giants had a few good catches against the Seahawks defense. I'm directly kind of watching that game. Um, the way I look at it is this. Logan Thomas, having been a quarterback, I think he sees the game very differently. So like he understands, like, okay, if this is ha- if I'm seeing this happening for my quarterback, what would I want somebody to do if I was back there essentially? And he does that. He finds like I said in the Steelers game, he had nine targets, has nine catches. Like he gets it. He thinks about things at an entirely different level. Mm. He's figuring out how to be more fluid when he moves. He understands how to use his body, his leverage, or when to like be fast and things of that nature in a situation where they need to get the ball moved down the field and things of that nature. He's tough too. I mean, that's the other thing. He's an effort guy. Um, you see him blowing up people. You see him scrapping to get any yard he possibly can. You look at the Seals game. There was one play. It was third and 13, and I've talked about this, I think, in the game scoring. And um, 
he gets 12 yards. And, you know, you look at it, and they didn't give him the extra yard. And you sit there saying, where did he go out of bounds before he extended the ball for the first down marker? Um, you know, referee's decision aside, but you just see the hustle. You see him stop and start on a dime. You see him split two defenders to try to extend the ball for the first down. That's the thing that's going to be the difficulty for the Seahawks is that this guy has no quit in him. And he is a tough guy. He'll take a hit over the middle. He'll do what he has to do to bring the ball in, um, whatever he needs to do to, for his quarterback. He's a guy that likes to help the quarterback out. Again, having been a former quarterback, I think that that plays into it as well, too. But And if he gets ahead of steam, he's a big guy. <laughs> he's not easy to bring down. He's more agile than people think if they don't watch him. Um, I think that's where the difficulty is going to be, is that he's a smart guy, a tough guy and someone who understands how to fit into the holes of the defense. And he studies what the other team likes to do, likes to take away with the tight end and things of that nature and use that to his advantage. So I'm really interested to see how this matchup works out because he is somebody that, again, if Terry McLaurin is being taken away by the defense, uh, Logan Thomas is somebody that they have really, really heavily relied on. And, I mean, shoot, oftentimes you look at the guy, like on touchdowns, for instance, I think against Pittsburgh, he was wide open. My man is just – my man is slick. I don't know any other way to say it. Against the Cowboys, he has good moves on him as well, too. He finds out ways to get releases and clean releases at that to create separation. So I'm very interested to see how this matchup goes. Sincerely, I am. Sounds like the Seahawks have their hands full with this one. <laughs> uh, yeah, they've been better against tight ends. That happens when you got Jamal Adams, you know. That, that. His, t- his coverage will be tested. Uh, yeah, no. Well, don't let Jamal know that. He'll end up yelling at me in the Zoom conference, and I don't got, I don't got time for that. Uh, I wanna, we're uh, showing offensive bias here. I'm going to jump over to the defensive side of the ball real quick. Keep this question real simple. Uh, Ree, is Chase Young going to kill Russ? If he gets him, yes. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. Like what? What is this? Like the the how, how many years away are we from like Chase being the best defensive player in the league? Oh man, I give it maybe one or two years, honestly, at this point. That dude, that he's, dude's he's special. Double team. I mean, you again. You probably already read this, and I refer back to this article because it's relevant. But he's already being double teamed more than some of your top pass rushers, and he's a rookie, and he's winning more than all but five of them. That's crazy. That is insane to think about. And at this point, look at the San Francisco 49ers game. He's going up against Trent, and he still ends up with the sack in the game. He still ends up with the forced fumble. He still ends up with the fumble recovery for a touchdown. Why is that? Because now he's getting smarter. Instead of using brute force to try to get where he wants to be or where he wants to go, now he's like, wait a second. If he, You see that play where he drops back in coverage, the offensive lineman looks the other direction, he's like, up, oh, and there's the green light. And you ask him, you know, what did you see on that play? Uh, nobody in front of the quarterback. And he's Chase Young, and he's really, really fast. And it gets there without an issue. So I don't think it's going to be too long because when he puts that brains and brawn like, together seamlessly, oh, my God, he's going to be a nightmare for years to come, especially with the, especially if they keep the other guys on the defensive line as well, too. That That is something else to keep in the back of their mind because Deron Payne has another two years, uh, including his fifth-year option as well, too. Um, you have Montez Sweat, who's got another three years, including his fifth-year option. Uh, let me think about that. It's like Matt Ioannidis, he got an extension last year. Tim Fiddle has another year on his contract as well, too. Jonathan Allen is in a contract year, so that's somebody they have to pay. Um, shoot, James Smith-Williams is one of the rookies they had up around this year's draft. I mean, this defensive line is very much intact for quite some time. Especially, again, if you get Jonathan Allen signed this offseason, which I think the team is going to definitely certainly try to do, or, you know, we franchise them if they have to, you have all the starters you had last year, and you get Matt Ioannidis back. <laughs> so, like I said, this is him with those guys. They have fun. They have figured out how to play with each other. They are playing under a defensive coordinator who gives them the freedom to just put their ears back and go after their quarterbacks. And that's why I think right now they're what either tied for second in in uh, sacks or they have the second most amount of sacks in the league, whatever it is at this point in time right now. But the point I'm making is that this is a guy who's only getting better week to week. He is learning how to play even smarter than he was already playing. And I don't want anybody to hear this and think that I don't think he's smart. He's extremely smart. He's him analyze a screenplay and quickly realize, oh, this is a misdirection. Oh, this is a bubble screen. Oh, this is something I need to like, you know, disengage with the blocker and get out to the sideline and see how quickly he gets there. Um, or again, like you see him dropping back in the coverage, seeing the offensive line look away for a split second and he just beelines it. The guy is very intelligent, and you see it also in the running defense as well, too. He may get pulled once, and he ain't making the same mistake twice. I'll tell you that right now. You know, the 
the uh, I want to see if you agree with this comparison that the Washington defensive line kind of reminds reminds me of what I saw last year from that Niners D line where it's like man they just stunk for so long that they just kept taking dudes in the first round and uh, D line guys in the first round and eventually it was like 2019 it's like yeah they just got a bunch of killers up front uh can the Washington is that is Washington following a similar blueprint in that way with Chase being their equivalent of the Bosa brother that the Niners have Yes, short answer. Yes, very much so. Russell Wilson's going to have a lot in his hands because it's, it's not just the edge. That interior, Deron Payne, Jonathan Island, they, Tim Settle, they, boy, y'all in for a treat this weekend. Oh, boy. Thoughts and prayers uh, to uh, to Russell Wilson uh, ahead of time. Uh, we got a, we mentioned we got a Quentin Dunbar uh, revenge game going here. He's uh, he's on injured reserve, which surprises no one in Washington, I'm sure. Uh, he's eligible to come off of injured reserve already. Um, he is scheduled to practice this week. Pete Carroll says he's practicing to play. The Seahawks haven't seen a ton of healthy Quentin Dunbar, and I'm sure Washington fans really haven't either. But you know, since you've seen healthy Quentin, you know how how good can he be? Because they were expecting him to come in here and like solidify the right side and be like the final piece to their Legion of Boom kind of 2.0 thing that they were hoping to have here. The thing about Quentin is that he is one of the smartest cornerbacks I've ever had the pleasure of working. And I mean that very sincerely. He is a tremendously smart guy. He's a film buff. I think Kendall Fuller is the only person that I know that watches film and like studies these things better. And that's something because Quentin, like, I think sometimes people listen to him talk and they, they may have an impression of him, but he, if you talk to him and ask him about a play, the detail in which he goes in and explains what he was seeing, what he knows the tendency of somebody is, is crazy. I think he had a two-interception game against the Giants last year, if I remember correctly. Um, but he just continues to impress in that regard simply because he already knows what people want to do. He already knows what the wide receiver's tendency is. He knows if he's seeing this particular lineup, what's probably coming his way. He's a very good cornerback. The problem with Quentin is being healthy. That has always been the issue. And if they're coming back too soon um, or just having like those nagging injuries that never really go away with him. But at his best, the 100% healthy, he's not somebody that you really want to throw in the direction of. And that's something that happened a lot in Washington is if he was healthy and out there, people really did not throw in his general direction. They throw to the other side of the field when it came to that. So it's... If he's not coming back too soon, and Michael, you know this better than I will, but if he's not coming back too soon and he really is 100% healthy, that is something Washington needs to watch out for, especially uh, a guy like Dwayne Haskins as well, too. Like I said, it's not like he's forgotten his teammates' tendencies. Not even a little bit, I imagine. Um, so it would be something interesting to watch. And, I mean, again, he also played with Alex Smith as well, too. So, like, these are two quarterbacks that he's, you know, intimately familiar with and what they like to do and everything else like that. Um, so it would be very interesting if he is able to come back in the game simply because I imagine he, and even if he's not playing, I assume he'll disseminate information about these guys' tendencies and what they like to do, um, the wide receivers on the roster and stuff like that. So I have the utmost respect for what Quentin Dunbar has been able to show in the times where he's been healthy. But the issue again, you know, as I've said before, is really Quentin Dunbar hasn't been able to stay healthy. And that was a lot of the reason that he, you know, he wanted this contract and everything else like that. He didn't want to do it knowing the coaching staff, what he could do. They also are factoring in the fact that he hasn't been healthy these last few years. That was a lot of what created the situation where he was shipped off to the Seattle Seahawks this offseason. Well, yeah, hopefully he's healthy. Um, and hopefully everyone who's in my mentions today telling me that DJ Reed should continue to start at right cornerback. Here's this and here's this good. Quinn's good when healthy. He's really, really, really good, I think, and can be like that final piece uh, on this defense. Let's let's close this out. Let's get a game prediction. Let's get the over unders going. Um, actually, before we get into the over unders, like if you had to, if you were a gambling woman, how would you go with who's uh, gonna be at quarterback for Washington this Sunday? If you just had to guess. If I was a gambling woman, which I am not, we are gonna put that out there in these streets as well too. Because <laughs> um, y'all can't even get me to play fantasy. Like I, I'm sitting here like looking at Michelle talking. I'm just like. Mm. Couldn't be me. Uh, <laughs> if I had to guess, I think Alex Smith starts the game. Now, do I think maybe he plays the whole game if there's like any remnants of this calf injury that he's been dealing with? I don't know. But I believe he starts the game, though. And, of course, you're asking me this before I've gone to a single practice this week to truly know if that'll be the case or not. But let's just say for now he starts the game. Well, that's why I didn't ask you who, who for sure starts. I wanted you to just t- take a guess. That's okay. That, that'll work. You kind of said you kind of said both will play, so that's actually that's the safest answer that possibly right. could probably could go with. That was smart. Uh, let's go over under. Let's go. Let's stick with Chase Young because Chase is just a monster, man. Just just 
man, that dude is going to be. I'm glad he's in a different division because I care about Russell's safety. I really do. Um, let's see. Let's go with total negative plays created by Chase. So this could be if he picks it off, forces a fumble, uh, TFL or a sack. That's a lot of stuff that could be negative. That is a uh, lot of stuff. Yeah. Uh, it's well, it's better than sacks because that's only going to be probably like a over under of like a one and a half. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna set all, all negative plays at over under at three and a half for Chase. Three and a half. I, you know, it's funny I was going to say four because he get like I said, he gets in there for running plays. And I don't know if he gets an interception. Look, if he gets an interception after he just had a touchdown on a fumble recovery, I absolutely impressed. But he's good at forcing fumbles, too. There's a few he could have forced earlier in this year uh, and everything else like that. So, I mean, I, all things included, I can see four um, and probably most of it being tackles for a loss. And I think he probably does get at least one sack in this game as well, too. At least one. And that's all of that is bad news for the Seahawks. All of it. All of it. Not looking good. Thoughts and prayers to whoever starts at right tackle for the Seahawks, too, because we have no idea. Y'all's y'all starting right tackle is injured right now? Hold yeah. up. Wait a second. <laughs> so this is this is how bad Seattle's right tackle injury luck is. So their guy, Brandon Shell, right tackle, uh, the guy got in free agency, got hurt uh, against the Cardinals in Week 11. In Week 12, his backup, Cedric Abui, uh got uh Oh, actually, no. Cedric Bowie played against the Eagles in Week 12, but then after that, he got he injured his calf in a walkthrough ahead of the Giants game. So then the third stringer had to play against the Giants. The third stringer pulls his groin against the Giants. So then the fourth stringer um, has to come in uh, against the Giants. And then the let's see who got healthy. Brandon got healthy again for the Jets game, and then he tweaks his ankle in the first half. So they have to bring in the fourth stringer again. So they might have a fourth string right tackle up there against all of the pass rushers that you just mentioned. Wow. Okay. I did not know. Oh, by the way, that's definitely something you should mention in your one paragraph uh, like thing of like things that the Seahawks might be concerned about uh, related to Washington. Just a thing you might want to note. Um, shoot. Well, here's the thing. Chase, typically speaking, is, on, is facing the left tackle. Typically. So you will probably... Hmm. Uh, maybe it will not improve the over-under for that, but Montez Sweat might have himself a field day, though. I'll tell you that much. He's usually on the right side. Man, that'd be, oh, that'd be that'd tough. Be, you know what's funny about Montez Sweat before we get into Reese's game prediction? I, we had to do a redraft um, for all the beat writers of the 2019 draft, and mm-hmm. everyone was mad that – I forget everyone, who everyone wanted me to take, but I couldn't get DK, right, because DK went in like the – Third round. No, I'm saying like in the redraft, someone took him in like top 15, right? And yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, which makes sense, right? AJ Brown went high, you know, the redraft, it made sense, right? But then I took Montez Sweat and everyone's like, ah, nah, nah, nah. I was like, guys, what are you talking about? He's a beast. He had a pass rusher and his clowny thing yeah. just didn't work. A-O. He's a, he's a good he's a good player. Well, all right, give us a, give us a game prediction. Who wins on Sunday and what is the score? I think Washington finds a way to win this game. Ooh. There we go. There we go. There's a take. I like it. <laughs> I hate this. I was gonna have to think. I have to write this in my. I have to write this in my game. Oh, uh, my preview story anyway. So like, I guess I'm not doing anything too unexpected here. But I'm gonna say Washington barely wins this game. Uh, kind of think Steelers game here type of situation. Um, find some way to create some turnover against the Seahawks. Uh, get Russell Wilson really uncomfortable, especially with the injuries on that offensive line you just mentioned. Um, and I guess the score of the game. They've scored 20-plus points the last five, six weeks in a row. I guess I'll say, like, what, 24, like, 18, or 24-20. Let's say 24-20. It's a close game. It's not going to be a blowout. I do not anticipate it being a blowout at all. Like, there's going to be some mistake that the defense capitalizes on some way, somehow, and that puts the offense in a really good position. Let's let's just say 24-20, Washington wins at home. Mm. Has anyone been right picking against the Seahawks on our show, Chris? I know you got the uh, – the leaderboard <laughs> here. Uh, Chris has Chris has got it. I, I think someone has been. I'm pretty yes. sure. I think Jordan it might was, have been because Jordan was picked the Rams. Jordan picked the Rams. That, that makes was, sense. That was the only one. I yeah. was about to pull it up, but then we both remembered. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see if uh, if if you can keep it. If you can go two and zero with this one, because picking against the Seahawks has been pretty tough this season, but the schedule has been pretty nice as well. Well, <laughs> and the other thing is, teams have picked people have picked the Seahawks, and the Seahawks will lose. That's happened like, a I lot. I think Cat picked. L-O-L. The, uh, she, she picked the uh, <laughs> Catherine picked the Cardinals. No, she picked the Seahawks in that Week Five game or Week Seven on Sunday night, and the and Cardinals, Cardinals ended, up, ended up winning. Ended up winning. The spread is five and a half in favor of the Seahawks. Oh yeah, right they're not now. covering. I'm that. not jumping on I'm, that. Yeah, I'd, I'd put down plus. Uh, yeah, I'll take, I'll take I'll Washington take plus five and a half. Yeah, yeah I'll, take I'll take the that. plus. I'll take the plus. Yeah, Reese picking them to cover. She says she's not a gambling woman. I don't know. She just picked Washington to cover. 
look like. Although I will say that if you do look at my previous stories, like I either get the score very close or I get those prediction right. I don't even think I didn't pick this. I did not pick the Steelers game right. I did have a score very close to what I thought what it ultimately ended up being, though. So something about what I'm doing is going to be right. I don't know what's going to be though. So we'll see what happens here. I think it's time for you to head down to Vegas and start putting <laughs> no, putting money down. Just text our lax guest. Text Charles and have him <laughs> bet it. Ah, you're hilarious, yo. Nah, man, I'm about to this refinance. I'm about to put this money in the bank and also. Michael, you know I'm trying to buy a Dodge Charger, so ain't no way in hell I'm about to put any money. I'm not going to Vegas. I'm not gambling. <laughs> I am good right now in this holiday season of cheer. So, Understood. You know. We've had a uh, – that's a big – Big change between our two guests because we had Charles, Charles last week to talk about the Jets and Charles. Well, Charles is betting on everything. Uh, he te- <laughs> he texted us yesterday. You know, to see how the Ravens covered. Yeah, uh, they covered minus three. He's like, oh yeah, I had Ravens minus three. Uh, see, that's just that's degenerate stuff right there. We got to swing. Ree's not betting on anything at all. That's the safe way to go. If you guys are listening right. right now, go with Ree. Don't gamble. Gambling is bad. It's just very, 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 very bad. Uh, but what you guys should do is make sure you check out all of Ree's work. Uh, on the athletic, it's great stuff. Honestly, her and Ben um, do a great job covering the Washington football team. When I needed to catch up on stuff this last week um, and just you know this last couple of days, I feel like completely caught up. You know, on the team, just reading the two of them. Uh, so shout out to you guys. Make sure you guys follow Re on Twitter. She is verified. Chris, we went over this, but I had to throw it in your face Thank again. You. Uh, Re, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, you guys can follow me on Instant Replay, which is Instant R H I Play. And have at it. Also, look, man, you guys are giving me this shout out, but Michael's the one that's over here hitting grand slams at work and stuff like that. So maybe <laughs> I need to talk to you about how to do that over here in oh, DC. I don't, I don't, I don't got no secrets. I don't got no goals. I'm just, just doing what, just doing what I can, doing what I can. Thank you guys for tuning into the Seahawks Man to Man podcast. Make sure you uh, rate, review, subscribe. Again, go check out all of Ree's work and all of Ben's work uh, at the Athletic over there in DC. They do great stuff. We will catch you guys uh, Sunday after the game. We're out. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.